This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 27. Three battles you can let your child win. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. For the introduction to this week's podcast, I'm going to just go ahead and read some of the words of this week's guest, Lisa Anderson. I think many of you will be able to relate and maybe even picture as if you've been there, because maybe you have been there, the scene that unfolded at Lisa's house. This is what she says about it. A few years ago, my family and I were preparing for a big event honoring my oldest son. I had carefully created invitations, prepared a program, and cooked a celebration meal. I took the time to buy a new outfit, including shiny new shoes for my son to wear. It was poised to be a wonderful day with our family and closest friends. And then it was time to get dressed. My son flatly refused to wear the shoes I picked out for him. I first tried to bargain with him. You only have to wear them for one hour and then you can come home and change. This was met with a flat no. Then I tried to bribe. If you wear these shoes, then you can have a treat. That didn't work either. I tried pleading, please wear these shoes. Please just wear them for me. Please, please. When that fell flat, I played my final card. It was time for a mommy tantrum. For those of you unfamiliar with a mommy tantrum, it usually occurs when said mommy does not get her way. Her unyielding child ignites a fuse in a firecracker of negative emotion. Mid-mommy tantrum, I was fuming down the hallway when my husband caught me and said, Don't let a pair of shoes ruin this day for you. Suddenly, my fuse went out. He was right. I was letting a pair of shoes that would look nice in a picture become more important than my child's big day. I loved this intro to Lisa's article, which is called Deliberately Choosing Your Battles, Power Struggles That Are Worth Opting Out Of, from the website afineparent.com. And I loved it because I've been there. Boy, oh boy, have I been there. Lisa is a mother of four children ranging in age from two to 10, and she's the founder of the Instagram account Thriving Motherhood, where she shares best practices in finding joy in motherhood and managing the craziness of it all. And part of that craziness is inevitably the power struggles that we face with our kids. And she did such a good job describing that, such a good writer in that introduction. I love Lisa's message that some battles are simply not worth fighting, and today she's going to teach us three battles you can let your child win. 
So Lisa, I'm so excited to have you here on 3 and 30 Podcast. Thanks, Rachel. You did a great job reading that. Well, it was fun to read it. And it's very well written. You did a great job on that. And the first time I read it, I was just laughing because, yes, I have been there. We have all been there. <laughs> and I'm sure many mothers have been there. Um, so before we start talking about battles and power struggles, I did want to talk a little bit about joy because I really feel like that is the focus of your work on your Instagram account at Thriving Motherhood. So can you tell us a little bit more about why you started your account? Yeah, sure. Um, I will start off by talking about when I had my first son and I realized that I was a mother and I was going to be a mother forever. And so I determined early on that I was going to just enjoy it and I was going to love it um, because mm -hmm. I was going to have to do it either way, if whether I or not right. I enjoyed it or whether I didn't enjoy it. And so I determined to enjoy it and I did. I loved it. I felt such satisfaction in being a mother, such fulfillment in being a mother. But then as I started um, getting to know other mothers and talking to them, I realized that not everybody shared those same feelings. I wanted to help these women realize that you can find joy in motherhood, but it is something that doesn't just happen, that there were certain things that I feel like I tried to do to help myself feel that way. Mm -hmm. And I felt that for so long, I just had this kind of burning inside of me to help other mothers find joy in what they were doing. And about two years ago, I finally decided to take a leap and start this Instagram account, which has allowed me to share some of the things that I feel like have helped me find joy in motherhood and also just help mothers realize that even though things can be crazy, it still doesn't need to take away joy. Right. And that you can still thrive. I love that's the title. You're thriving motherhood, not just surviving motherhood. Yeah. And um, I really love that that's your focus and that's where it came from because if anyone's listened to my introductory episode or they know a little bit about me, they know that I I come from a place where motherhood was so hard for me and I was not enjoying it that I realized that I needed to pull myself out of the hole. And that's when I started searching for help and strategies and um, writing for Power Moms and different things. Whereas I love that you naturally really loved it or chose to love it, it sounds like, and then and then realized that you wanted to share those tools with others. So I just, you're such a positive person. I love following your account on Instagram. And I wanted, wanted to talk to you today about power struggles because they can kind of steal some of the joy from motherhood. And lots of moms email me and ask for an episode about strong-willed children or spirited children. And I feel like this episode could be a great one for them. Obviously, power struggles don't aren't are not only just from strong-willed kids. All kids can have them, but I do think that they can be even more common with those bigger, stronger personalities. Would you agree yeah. with that? Oh yeah, exactly. And you have do you have different temperaments of your children? Yes. I have a couple children who are they are pretty compliant and they are for the most part obedient. Um, but I have a child who is very free-willed and wants to do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it. So I feel like this has really been a learning experience for me in dealing with the different types of personality. My oldest child, if I told him to do something, he would do it. If I told mm -hmm. him to stop, he would stop. And then I got my second child who 
I told him to stop doing something and he'd just smile and run away and keep doing <laughs> the exact thing. <laughs> so I really had to learn what is worth battling over because some, some of the things that we were battling over really in the, as, when I look back, I thought I just was able to think, no, that wasn't worth it Yes, because it just added more stress, more chaos, drove our relationship farther apart rather than helping us come to an understanding and understand each other and work together. Definitely. So what is your first takeaway of a battle that we can let our children win? The first one is probably the easiest to talk about, and it's letting kids choose what clothes they wear. So I had boys, and boys aren't as fun to dress as girls, but you can still have a lot of fun dressing boys. And I like to dress up my boys in like cute skinny jeans and like surfer shirts and have them look really cute and do their hair. But that lasted about five years. And then my son got a major opinion about what he wanted to wear. And he wanted to wear sports clothes every day, all the time. My son calls them soft pants. (laughs) Yeah, soft pants. I think boys are totally like that. They want to be comfortable. And so I, I finally had to just let go and let them choose to wear what they wanted to wear instead of trying to force them into the cute clothes that I wanted them to wear. Yes. And I love your story in your article about picture day. Can you tell us about what happened on picture day? Yes. So my, in the article, I made the point that the reason why kids want to wear what they wear is because it allows them to express themselves and feel the way they want to feel. And, but picture day is a day that I kind of feel like I have a right to as their mother, (laughs) because it's like going to be memorialized forever. And so I chose an outfit for, this is my second son. I chose an outfit for him and he looked really cute. And then I got the pictures back and he had thrown over a hoodie sweatshirt over his outfit. And I realized that it doesn't matter what I do or what I put on them. They can still outsmart me and wear what they want to wear. Even if I force them to wear something. (laughs) Yes. That's so true. You know, one thing that's helped me with this battle, both of my kids are really strong-willed, actually, and something that's helped me with this battle is I don't even buy things for them that I wouldn't want them to wear. So the options that I put in their drawers, I'm okay with, and then I just have to let them choose from there. That totally helps. That totally helps until they get old enough to to really have an opinion, and then Mm -hmm. you kind of have to flip-flop that. My oldest son, I need to take him shopping with me now because even if I buy things that I'm okay with him wearing, he still won't wear them. And Uh, so I think that kind of evolves as they get older and you do need to take into consideration what their opinions are. Which is so good for you to point out because my oldest is um, not quite seven. So it's good for me to hear like, uh, even that stops working after a while. Yeah. So you have to yeah. come to an understanding where you're both okay with whatever it is that you buy, and then you have to let them have some independence there. Yes. But I will insert that when we do go shopping, there are certain things that I won't buy. I draw the line at certain cartoon character shirts. <laughs> I, I, will, I will just say, no, I'm not buying that for you. So my kids are okay with that. So we kind of come, have come to a compromise. <laughs> yes, for sure. This can be a hard one for some moms, I think, with weather-related clothing. So what would you say about that? I would say I have seen so many moms battle their children over putting coats on when it's cold. And Mm -hmm. they're threatening and they're saying they can't go out if they don't have their coat on. And it's a huge 
power struggle. Um, but I would say, I even looked this up yesterday just to verify that I'm not spouting wrong information, that going out in the cold will not make you sick. I read that mm -hmm. on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> so when your child goes out and doesn't want to wear a coat, it is just kind of an impossible battle to fight to try to force that coat on them because they're going to take it off as soon as they go out the door. Right. And I would also say the easiest way to get them to learn to wear a coat is to let them go out without a coat for a while. Mm -hmm. Let them get cold and wet. And the next time they go out, they're probably going to grab their coat. Yeah. Because they and realize. I've actually made that a little parenting mantra for myself. Let them feel the cold because with my strong-willed kids, I, a lot of, I'll say, put your coat on. And if they say no, I just say, okay. And then we walk outside and they'll say, oh, I'm going to go grab my coat. Yeah. <laughs> like mom win right there. Like I have to just let them feel the cold in order for them to come to that decision on their own. Yes. And exactly. That's such a good mantra to have. And it makes, and I mean, your experience getting out the door was so much easier than it had you stayed inside and forced the coat on them with yes. lots of you know, yes. your, your life is so much easier by letting them feel the cold. I love that. Yeah. And I, and I try to apply that to other things too, like let them feel the cold in other ways where I'm letting them learn from a natural consequence and not forcing them to do it my way. So, yeah, exactly. um, yes. I have a friend whose son, who's I think in about second grade, he just flat out refuses to wear pants ever. And we live in a mountain town, a snowy mountain town in Idaho he won't wear pants. He won't wear snow pants ever. It's like athletic shorts every day. And she's not willing to fight him on it. And one thing that she did was she let the teacher know what her reasoning was, which I thought was really smart because that sometimes we can worry about what other adults are thinking or so she just kind of brought the teacher in the loop and said, hey, this isn't a battle I'm willing to fight with him. If he wants to be cold, he can be cold. If you choose, if the school rule is that he can't go out without snow pants on, great, enforce that rule, like, and he can live by it. But as his mother, I'm not going to fight him on this every single day. And the teacher was very supportive, and now they're on the same team with that. So yeah, getting that great. teacher on the same page, I think, is awesome. Yeah, that is really awesome. So close is for the first, you know, first battle you can let them win. I do want to make a little note, though, about um, if you have certain rules in your home about modesty. Mm. Um, you know, I don't think that we need to say that your, our kids can wear whatever they want to wear, even if we don't feel like it's appropriate or in a, it's immodest or um, not age appropriate. You know, I think right. that's where we kind of as parents have to set some boundaries. That's a really important distinction. I'm glad that you mentioned that. And and having a conversation with them about why, teaching them the why behind it and all of those different things, I think yeah. is really important. And if you teach it, you know, if you teach it early enough, it's not going to be a big shock to them, mm -hmm. you know? Definitely. Okay. And what's your second battle that we can let our kids win? The second battle is what and how much your kids eat. Okay. And this one is so tricky because I know mothers want their kids to be healthy and they want them to eat healthy foods and, um, you know, be able to grow and be strong. But have you ever faced a three-year-old who refuses to eat broccoli? I mean, they are tough as nails. It's so hard to get a three-year-old to eat broccoli. They don't want to eat broccoli. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and I love in your 
article you said that you've literally chased a child around with broccoli before yes do you want to hear it that's my most embarrassing motherhood story do you want yeah, me to tell is, you is there more to it yes tell us <laughs> yes. so my oldest son is so picky and I was determined first time mother of course to make sure that he ate a wide variety of, sh- of food and that he was going to just eat everything and so I gave him all the you know healthy food when he was little. But when he turned about two, he started getting real opinions about what he wanted to eat. And I was just not going to have that. And so <laughs> I was serving, I think it was broccoli. I think it was broccoli. And I wanted him to eat it. And he kept saying no. And so I really did chase him around. And <laughs> I got him on the ground and I put the broccoli in his mouth. And I moved his chin up and down (laughs) and then he threw up. (laughs) Yep. I've had very similar situations at my house. Once it was over a chicken nugget and I'm like, you will sit here until the chicken nugget is gone. And most kids I think like would sit there for, you know, 15, 20. My son sat there and he screamed and sat at the table screaming for two hours. I'm not kidding for two hours. And I'm like, I was like, I can't, like, he's he's going to win. And I just realized that having a peaceful family dinner is my priority. Like, I want family dinner to be a time that my kids are enjoying each other and their parents and we're talking. And I don't want my kids screaming and crying or it to be a huge battle. That's that's not my priority at family dinner. And I know some kids with different temperaments or some parents with this is a really high value to them may choose to fight this battle in different ways. But for me, that was not, and for my son's temperament, that was not a battle that I chose that I choose to fight anymore. Yes. And something that's really helped me with this battle is, or just being able to let go of this battle is the fact that I was the pickiest eater when I was a kid myself. So if you can put yourself back in your, you know, three or four year old shoes and what were you like as a kid? I did not like to eat vegetables and my mom would make, my mom's an amazing cook and she would make, you know, I remember, I still can remember doing this when she'd make enchiladas and I'd find a little piece of onion, onion in it. And I would like get it on my tongue and like freak out and be like screaming that there's an onion in my food. Mm-hmm. I was so picky, but and did you grow I, out of it? I did. I mean, I still definitely have picky tendencies. Um, I have not eaten a mushroom to this day. However, I eat really healthy. I do like vegetables. I found vegetables that I will eat and that I do like. And I don't just eat junk food all day. I eat very healthy. So it just, mm-hmm. your child will grow, their palates will expand. And mm-hmm. just because they're not eating broccoli as a three year old doesn't mean they're doomed to a life of um, unhealthy eating. Yeah. Well, and making it a battle for certain temperaments, making it a battle is going to make them much less likely to be willing to try things as they age and get older, because to them, it's always going to be a fighting point And I'm going to show my parents. Exactly. They want the power. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, are you familiar with Ellen Satter's work? She's a, she's a registered dietitian and a family therapist. Do you know her work? I don't, I should look into it. Yeah. She's like probably the foremost authority on like children's eating and especially like teaching them to eat intuitively. And, and she has something that she calls the division of responsibility with eating. And she's worked with tons of 
like kids with food phobias and just like really severe picky eating. And um, she says that the division of responsibility is that the parents decide what um, what is served, when it is served and where it is served. But the kids determine how much they will eat and whether they eat. And that's the division of responsibility. So she actually says that parents are in charge of feeding, which is what, when, and where, and kids are in charge of eating, which is how much and whether, and that we shouldn't cross that line with them, but we need to respect that they get to decide whether they're going to eat and how much they eat. Yeah. And I like the point that you were saying that, that parents decide what we're going to eat because I think some moms feel like, okay, well then I have to cook five different meals for all of my kids so I can get them to eat. But I don't think that's what the case is at all. You know, in our home, I cook dinner and my kids choose from what I make, what they will eat. And Mm -hmm. if they don't, then we have like a a fallback option. Like, okay, if, if you eat nothing here, well, I should say each, they have to take like two bites of dinner of something Mm -hmm. from dinner. And then if they eat nothing, they can make a peanut butter and jelly. You know, to have Mm -hmm. like a fallback instead of feeling like you have to cook all these things or you have to sit there and battle with your child. Right. And I will say that I'm like still averse to giving them a fallback option. And that may just be because my kids are young and so I'm still an idealist. But (laughs) I'm like, no, you'll eat what's served, but or not or don't eat it. But this is dinner. Um, But my pediatrician had some really good advice that I loved. He said to always have something on the table that I know that they will eat. Mm -hmm. So you're creating an environment where you can say this is dinner and this is the only option, but you're also, you also know that there is a fruit that they like, there's bread and butter on the table, there's something so that they are getting something to eat, but they're not seeing you stand up and make something else, or you're not giving them permission to stand up and make themselves a sandwich. It's like, this is dinner and that's it. But you know that they're going to have something on the table they enjoy. And I loved that advice from my pediatrician. Yeah, that's really good advice. So there's lots of, I'm, I know this, this can be kind of a, I don't like a he, little bit heated because parents have strong opinions on this. And, but I think that the point is, is determining what your objective is with dinner and then sticking to it and not making it into a time of battles every night, but trying to make it a good environment for your kids. Yep, exactly. And then what is your third battle that they can win? Okay, I saved this one for last because I feel like there might be a lot of um, raised eyebrows as we talk about this one. Um, Mm -hmm. The third, the third, I almost said the third eyebrow, the third (laughs) power struggle (laughs) that I believe that you can opt out of is when chores or homework is done in your home. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like when I say that, even a part of me says, Oh, well, but kids have to do their work. They have to work. We have to teach our kids how to work. And I totally agree that we need to teach children how to work. But I mean, have you ever been told you need to do this right now, get up and go put away that towel right this very second. Like if somebody came up and said that to you, how would you react? Like, what would your feeling be? I, I'm a natural pleaser and yet I still would be resistant. Yeah, exactly. And, and your kids are the same way when you say, okay, do your homework right now, right this second. Most kids are going to be like, uh, no, I don't want to. (laughs) But if you, if you approach them, like with, with my older son, I just say, Hey, what's your plan for homework today? 
and I let him let me know when he's planning on doing his homework. So he knows that I expect it to be done. And I let him say, oh, I'm going to do it after we eat dinner or I'm going to do it right before I have soccer practice. And we kind of mm-hmm. compromise that way so that it's not me saying, OK, you're doing your homework at three o'clock. Sit down, do it no matter what. And I love that question. What's your plan for homework today? Because it's really you're you're the support. You're giving them the independence and responsibility and teaching them that they need to manage their time and figure it out. And you're there to support them and guide them and help them make a plan. Yes. So as a parent, you can, you, you share your expectations. Like I expect your bed to be made. Well, that's not an expectation in my house. It should be. I expect your floor to be clean. I expect your homework to be done. And I expect your family contribution to be done by the end of the day. That's Mm -hmm. your expectation and give them the space to be able to do it when it works for them. And I feel like for younger kids, this obviously, this amount of freedom isn't going to work, but you can still give them choices instead of battling it out for the little kids too. Like um, if you want them to clean up their toys, you can say something like, well, do you want to clean up your toys? Should we clean up your toys now? Or do you want to read a book first and then clean up your toys? You know, Mm -hmm. kind of kind of let them feel like the power is in their hands and they're going to be a lot more compliant than if you demand that they do it right now, right this second. Yeah. I've followed the work of Amy McCready and she talks about um, when then and Mm -hmm. statements and saying, when your room is picked up, then we can go to the park. But then you just, you just leave. Like it's still up to them. You don't engage in this back and forth and begging them to do it. And it's just, we can't, you can't go, we can't go to the park until this job is done. So it's up to you to decide if you want to go to the park. Um, and if so, when you do it, you know, so, and obviously that doesn't work for everything. Cause it's not like you can say when your toys are picked up, then we'll go to school, you know, like you're going to school regardless, but in, in situations where there's something fun that they're wanting to do, giving them that option to choose when they're going to do it. And then they get that fun privilege afterward. Yeah. In our house, we have my boys, when they come home from school, they, um, I just, I have like little easy jobs. They need to make sure their the floor in their room is picked up and we, they have one little job. And so in our house, our rule is, um, you know, once your jobs are done, then you can sit down and relax and watch a TV show. And mm-hmm. sometimes they'll come home from school and they'll end up playing in the backyard for two hours before they do anything. And I'm okay and with that. Like, because, yeah. You're like, yeah, awesome. I'm, exactly. I'm totally fine with it because I know eventually they're going to be like, Oh, can I come, can I watch a show mom? And all I have to say is, well, is your, are your jobs done? Mm-hmm. And then they'll go, they'll go do them as fast yeah. as they can. So they can get watching their show. For sure. In in the summer growing up, my mom always had us do a half hour of work rather than having like designated chores that we did every day. She would just say 30 minutes of work, whatever help she needed that day. And we were like preteens then. So we were a little older, but, um, and we just knew that we couldn't go do anything fun with friends until that half hour of work was done. And sometimes I would laze around and not get to it. And then a friend would invite me to do something and I'd realize, oh, I squandered my, I can't go because my work isn't done. So I quickly learned to get up and just do my half hour of work so that I could be free the rest of the day. You had a wise mom. I know. And this is the hard one. I was just going to add that this, this is a really challenging one. Cause for me, I know that I kind of have more of a controlling personality. So this is kind of uh, one that's a challenge for parents, but I know that it will make your home 
so much more peaceful and putting a plug in, it'll help you enjoy motherhood more because you're not the dictator. You're not the nagger. Yes. You're just the one who states expectations and walks away. I feel like all of these, these three go back to that, to your mission of enjoying motherhood, thriving in motherhood, instead of always having to be the dictator, it's letting some of these battles go and then giving your kids more independence and responsibility for these choices so that you can have more joy as a mother. So I also wanted to let people know about a really cool opportunity that you put together, Lisa, um, it, which is a conference that you called the Thriving Motherhood Conference, which is happening the first Saturday in June in Utah. So could you tell us a little bit about that and how listeners can attend that if they would like to? Sure. Yeah, I I thought about this conference because I wanted to provide more than just another parenting class. I think parenting classes are so valuable and so important, but I wanted to create an experience that targets a mother as a whole, not just parenting skills, but also how she feels emotionally, how she feel, you know, her, her stress levels, all of those things that bring can add joy to motherhood or take joy away from motherhood. So this conference is addressing all aspects of motherhood. And so I think it's going to be fantastic. And our speakers are going to be amazing. So we have um, Jody Moore from the podcast Better Than Happy, and she's a phenomenal LDS life coach. And we've got Ralphie Jacobs from the Instagram Simply On Purpose, who is a wonderful advocate for positive parenting. And we also have Georgia Anderson from Know How Mom Tips, and she's just seasoned and she's wise and she's done the whole mothering thing. She's got grown up kids now. And so I just look to her as somebody who really has knows her stuff. And so they're all going to be there. And I'm going to be there as well, talking about time management and some other things. So it's going to be great. And I'm just so excited about it. I will be there as well in the audience, cheering you on and learning so much. And yes, you're right. Like you, you put together the team of rock stars for this conference. My dream team. It's going to be so great. Yeah. Your dream team. Um, the main event, the tickets sold out in less than 24 hours, which is amazing. Um, but you have since planned a second uh, session that there are still tickets left for. So tell us about that. Yeah, we, I just think this is going to be such a phenomenal event. And this grouping of ladies is so special that I wanted to be able to give more people an opportunity to come. So we opened up an express session in the morning uh, because Jody Moore will be unable to attend. So we're going to have Ralphie, myself, and Georgia all doing our parts. And then um, we will send out a video of Jody's portion to all those who attend. So it'll just be the information. You'll get the same information. It's just going to be more, it's going to be faster, a faster pace, kind of packed more tightly together. And, but it's, it's still going to be great. And the tickets are a little bit cheaper for that express session. And, um, there, how you have about 25 tickets left for that morning session. Yeah. Okay. So if anybody's listening and they're interested in that, um, I will put a link in my show notes to that. And Lisa will have a link in her Instagram profile at Thriving Motherhood. So you can hop on and get tickets to that event first Saturday in June in Utah. So Lisa, um, before we end, can you remind us the three battles that we can let our children win? 
Yes, absolutely. The first battle that we can let our child win, our children win, is over what they wear, the clothes that they wear. The second battle we can let them win is what and how much they eat. And the third battle we can let them win is when they do their homework and chores each day. Now, something I really wanted to talk about was why. So you might have been listening to this whole podcast and and thought, okay, this sounds good, but why? what benefit is this to me? And so I think that's a huge uh, piece that I wanted to share why this would be so beneficial to you. And that is because there's nothing like a power struggle to suck the joy right out of motherhood. It just sucks it right out. At the end of the day, you're exhausted from all of these battles that you're having. So if you let go of some of, some of these battles, it's going to not only benefit you, but it's going to b- benefit your children. Our kids will feel like they have a little bit more control over their life. And as a result, they're going to be more cooperative. Um, one of the four main reasons kids misbehave is because they want to achieve power. So if you give them a little bit, by letting them win these three power struggles that I've talked about, they're not going to have to fight so hard to feel like they have power in their lives. And as, as a result of that, you're going to have more peace in your home and you're going to, you're going to be able to find more joy and happiness in your role as a parent. And it will serve you tremendously to let your children win some of these power struggles. I love that, Lisa. And I know it's so true. I have two strong-willed kids of my own and I'm very grateful that you've reminded me and all of us about these three battles that we can let go of so that we can thrive as mothers, which is what you're all about. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Rachel. So fun talking to you. Another great episode from another super wise parent. I feel so blessed that I get to talk to and learn from these guests every week. And in regards to that Thriving Motherhood Conference, I'm not an affiliate or anything. I just wanted to make sure that you all knew that it was happening in case it's something that you feel like is worthwhile. But I did also want to tell you that if you can't make it to Utah, all four of those speakers have been on this podcast or will be before the big event. So Jody Moore spoke on this podcast about three keys to a happier marriage. Ralphie Jacobs talked about how to stop yelling at your kids. Lisa today talked about three battles we can let our kids win. And in a couple of weeks, Georgia Anderson is going to be talking about how we can coach our children through their difficult emotions. So if you can't make it to Utah, that's okay. You can just listen to 3 and 30 podcast and get a lot of great information that way. And I will link all of those episodes in the show notes, which you can find on 3in30podcast.com. Or you can just scroll up in your podcast app and you should see them right where you are listening to this episode. I hope that you find every episode every week valuable. I love hearing from you with feedback. Reading your reviews on iTunes means so much to me and knowing that you're sharing the podcast with your friends and family. Hey, I'm Lizzie Mathis, the host of the Cool Mom Code podcast, where motherhood is your key card to the coolest spot in town. I'm excited to give you a behind the scenes, real talk combo between some of the most influential and tastemaker mamas I know. Subscribe and stay tuned for new episodes weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't ever miss a beat. See you there.